You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show of the Packernet Podcast Network. I am the host of that show, so hi. The phone number here, if you'd like to participate, is 608-501-0718. New callers go directly to the front of the line. We do have some new callers. By the way... um, I had some volunteers go out and post this graphic with our phone number all over the place, so hopefully some random people with some really random uh, thoughts and observations. We'll see how she goes. Everything's ready to rock and roll. Here we go. Go. Hey, what's up? This is uh, Dusty. If you're calling in, because I know there's been some, some movie stuff. Dusty! That's what I'm here for. Movie stuff going on on the show, so there's been, uh, I know, some debate over movies. We'll say like Jurassic Park and Silence of the Lambs. Uh, By the way, just just as a heads up, this was a little while ago we were talking about all this, as I'm sure you remember, is Silence of the Lambs uh horror movie, is Jurassic Park a horror movie. So I reached out to Dusty, and I'm like, hey, dude, uh, I know this is kind of your lane. If you want to call in and kind of give your thoughts, uh, please do so. And he did, so thanks to Dusty. I know someone had called in saying that their wife was saying that Jurassic Park was a horror, and then was saying Silence of the Lambs is a horror. So... My thoughts on this are that a kind of the, the way I kind of look at horror, well, I look at horror through as many lenses as humanly possible, watching a movie later tonight. Uh, there are five five elements of horror to kind Here of we boil go. it down. Uh, Here so we you go. Say the five that you typically go with are that you take fit into the horror genre, and you can get a little more general on this, but the five would be it has to have suspense, okay. fear, yep. violence. All right, let's slow down here. Suspense. Both of them. Fear, I guess, eh, maybe both. I don't know about Silence of the Lambs. I don't know if that was super, maybe, maybe. Violence, yes, for both of them. Gore. Violence and gore. What's the difference? I know there's a difference. And the fact that you have them right next to each other, so I'll let you explain, I don't know. But I guess kind of both, right? Or something in the supernatural. There you go. Supernatural is a fairly wide bucket. Uh, so, you know, if you, if you want to go that route, a lot of things can fit into there, but that's, that's the five, you kind of boil it down, writing horror, filming horror, there's like the five main elements of horror. So if we take that, I, again, I think some of this is, it depends on what you take away from it. Something like, like Silence of the Lambs, I would say is, is absolutely horror. Uh, you have, you have suspense fear, you've got some gore. I know, um, you know, Hannibal kind of, kind of went a little further in that regard, but, yeah. but it's not like, you know, Silence of the Lambs is about an FBI agent chasing a serial killer with the help of a serial killer who eats people. Like, that's that to me is, it's that's more if you want to tag that a little bit different, you could say psychological horror. Right. Because it wouldn't be, it's not like a slasher movie. But I, it, I'd say Silence of the Lambs, for me, has always been one of those that it's clearly a horror movie. But I think people try not to tag it a horror movie because it won an award, and for some reason people think of, of horror as kind of like a lower grade of filmmaking and they don't want to admit that they like horror. So if that won an award, well, that can't be horror. So like, so I'm, I'm not going to argue with Dusty because this is his lane, but just in terms of like how I parse it out, like would Seven be a horror? Because I wouldn't put that in the same category as a horror, but it's like identical in my opinion to uh, to this. And then you could even go so far as to say, like, what about, we were talking about Man on Fire. Because it's almost identical elements. The only thing is there's not, like, a serial killer per se, but there's a Mexican drug cartel that's killing people and is threatening to kill a little girl. So it's slightly different, but, I mean, and that would be considered in no way a horror movie, right? I guess there's no real fear in that. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I guess in my mind it's just... A very different thing because there's no like, dude, I'm freaked out. Like, it's I'm not gonna have nightmares about sounds. Maybe maybe some people will. That wouldn't give me nightmares. I guess maybe that's the difference. I guess it just kind of depends how you view it or whatever. Like my wife could watch. Uh, I don't know. She she could watch uh, Star Trek and and be scared. So you know, we we all have our different uh, views. 
on these things. It's like what we're seeing now with a lot of these movies where you say elevated horror. It's the elevated horror. can't be real horror because real horror, if I like real horror, that's not something negative about me. Like, it doesn't really, but that's just it's this weird uh, it's this weird thing that, that people have about liking horror movies. So, okay. And so if we look at Silence of the Lambs, again, I think very clearly a horror movie that people try to convince themselves is something different because they don't want to be the horror person. Jurassic Park <laughs> is an interesting one to me. I've always kind of thought that it was. Now you have the, it's, it's this big blockbuster movie. So in that, in that sense where it's not like it's, it's dinosaurs on an island, right? It doesn't feel like a horror movie. To me, I could see that kind of getting lumped into there because it is, you're, you're looking to invoke fear. It's a different type of fear. It's not a man. It's not a, a supernatural killer coming after you. It's not a ghost. It's not alien. It's, it's a bunch of big old dinosaurs, man. Uh, but the way they, the way they filmed that, the way Spielberg, Spielberg filmed that with, you know, using using light, and you got these things in the shadows. You, for some of those, you could almost say like, well, the way they filmed some of these, it, it almost as if part two. All right, so there's part two of the horror thoughts here <laughs> that cut off because it surprise surprise I rambled too long. All good. And outran the message. So I want to put a bow on the on the horror movie thoughts. And I think, I mean, to me, I think horror more than any other movie genre is subjective because what. Not even what scares you, but what, it, what is what you perceive to be meant to right. scare you is subjective from person to person. Shut Unless it's like it. a slasher movie that is clearly a horror movie, uh, a lot of the kind of on the fringe stuff, you could say it's horror or it's not horror. I know to me, maybe I'm a little more lenient with some of that stuff, but I think uh, for me, I, I think Silence of the Lambs, clearly a horror movie. Jurassic Park is, because again, I do think it strikes to an element of fear. It's, it's kind of a more uh, fantastical fear kind of in the way you kind of look at that, but I do think that it maybe strikes more, its main goal is to scare you, a lot of those key moments. So, and you've got, you know, creatures hiding in shadows and kind of some of those tropes even you put it in there. Even some of, you know, Spielberg's uh, back catalog, you, you've kind of drawn on, on the horror genre stuff. So I certainly uh, I certainly view it as a horror movie. I, that one, that one I, I wouldn't be shocked if people don't. I understand that. But I think I think it's just the, there's a subjectivity to horror movies um, that maybe other genres do not have. And so uh, I don't. If someone says wants to say something's a horror movie, I, I say that's fine because that's again that's, that's some, sometimes that's a little more personal to to uh, to each individual person. So uh, I hope those thoughts are not too long. I know they were. Uh, hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, dude, for sure. Thanks for calling in. Please feel free to do that anytime. Not just about horror movies. If you want to call in, rant about whatever. If you think that this content uh, that I'm saying is stupid because you watch the tape and you disagree, feel free to let it, let uh, let me know. Because I know you're better at that than I am. So, that's great. No, but that actually makes a lot of sense. Because I know when, 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 who was it that called it? Somebody called in about this a while ago and, and was saying it. I was like, dude, Jurassic Park is not a horror movie. And then I went over to the robot and I'm like, all right, break down what a horror movie is. And I'm reading them. I'm like, well, that's like everything. And then Supernatural was the only one. But then even I was like, I don't, does it have to be Supernatural? It doesn't seem like it should have to be. So... I, I, I guess part of it is I do think so, because I can't think of any horror movies that I like. Well, I guess Texas Chainsaw Massacre, there's nothing supernatural about that. So I, I don't necessarily agree with that. But then if you remove that, then what's the difference? Um, so it, it, it is, I guess, somewhat subjective. It I, I think, as dumb as it sounds, for me, a horror movie has like a creepy factor. And to be honest, I really look down on horror movies that are all jump scares. I think that's I think it's dumb and I think it's lazy and I think it's boring. And that's kind of what Jurassic Park is. I mean, I'm not saying it's not a good movie, but in terms of the scare factor, it's all just like suspense. It's somebody comes around the corner and boom, there's a dinosaur there and then they're running and you're oh no, don't, don't get up. Oh, you got to just close the door in time. It's like that kind of scary. But it's not like you see the dinosaur and it's like, "Oh, dude, that's so creepy. I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight." What happened? There's a dinosaur walking through the woods, bro. Dude, that's going to mess me up. You know what I mean? Like, in my opinion, like, really creepy horror is stuff that there's a scene in that movie that you see that's just like, oh, oh, that's going to mess me up. Why did I watch this movie? I'm not going to be able to get that image out of my head. Um, so, and, and again, that is subjective because, I mean, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a horror. There's nothing supernatural. Um, I think there is, I think it could be kind of creepy. Um, it's certainly sinister. You know, you think about, like, these people being chained up and, like, there's that part of you that's like, dude, get out of there. What the heck? You know, and just the fact that somebody's going to do this, you know, while they're begging for their life and everything else. Like, but that was in Silence of the Lambs, too, with the girl in the well. 
So I don't know. I guess for me personally, it's it's really it's closer. Silence of the Lambs is a slightly creepier version of what you would find in like your average action film, like Man on Fire. But I guess if you're kind of creeped out by it, then you would probably lean more horror because it's like obviously that's creepy as all get out. And same with Jurassic Park. Like if you see that and you're like, dude, I I have nightmares watching Jurassic Park, then yeah, it's a horror. I think of that as like a kid's movie. <laughs> like that was a movie I watched when I was a kid. I thought it was a fun movie. It's it's a fun little action thing. I don't know. But you know, like my my thing when I was a kid was it. And I literally I had so I can't even I even tell you how many nightmares I had about that movie. Dude, I had so many nightmares as a kid. My grandma was so mad at my dad for letting me watch so many horror movies. I, there was a point in my life where I was scared to go to bed because I knew I was going to have a nightmare. But I remember so many movies that had It the Clown or so many horror uh, nightmares that had It the Clown in it. I remember like hiding from my mom because she was like possessed and had these red eyes and was searching for me and stuff. Like some of those things that just like stick out in your head. There was one stupid thing where I was riding in a car and It was on a bike and he was riding next to me and he was like shooting staples at me. But my grandma was like holding me down. So it was like, it was super creepy. Like, cause you're like, why are you doing this? And she wasn't responding. She wasn't talking. And the, you know, obviously it was just laughing, but it gave me nightmares. And it's, it's, it's creepy. You know, there's, he's, he's kind of got this like sick, twisted humor, but it's, it's just, it's pure evil. You know, in that opening scene with Georgie. Hiya, Georgie. I mean, that, that gives me chills just thinking about it. I and mean, I wouldn't say it's like scary. Like I could go back and watch it with, by myself with the lights. Like it's not going to scare me. But it's creepy. It gives me the chills thinking about it. With the, the like the, the circus music. Don't you want your boat? It's such a good movie. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know as far as Dusty. I mean, he's like immersed in that. So I, he's, some people look down on it or, or, or even take pride in it. You know, like it's the, the, the people who like the bougie movies don't want to be associated with horror films. And some people in the horror genre don't want to be associated with the bougie ones because, you know, they're too deep for that or whatever. I don't know anything about that. I, I'm just trying to go off of how I feel about movies. I wouldn't say that those two are horror movies. And again, same with Seven. It's it's terrifying, but in my opinion, in a very different way. Like, it's, it's, more, it's more like, honestly, when I turn on the news and when you see, like, the horrible thing that happened I don't even want to talk about. But it's one of those things where your heart just drops. And it's like, oh, no. It's just, it's just, it's just different for me. I don't know. Anyways, new caller number two, what's going on? Yes, hello, yes. Brian. Yes, hello. I'm Jim from Kentucky. I'm a first-time caller. Hey. And a lifelong Packer fan. Hey, Jim. Uh, 63 years long. And I want to address something that's bothering me about the Aaron Rodgers train. Okay. Uh, there seems to be this creeping fear that if we don't trade him now, we're going to lose out. And I believe that's playing right into the Jets' hands. Uh, I just read that the GM, Joe Douglas, and their head coach, Robert Sala, seem to think that there's no urgency that they have till mid-July. And I think when we say, okay, or we go along with that, we lose our bargaining position. Mm-hmm. Kind of reminds me of the lines from the movie uh, Red October, where... Uh, the character played by Scott Lenz says, the problem with playing chicken is knowing when to flinch. They've already signed, they being the Jets, uh, Hackett and Lazard. Yep. And why? They want to entice Rodgers to be their quarterback. They're even rumored to be looking to sign Randall Cobb and Mercedes Lewis to give uh, Aaron Rodgers some more of his buddies to play with. None of this works without Aaron Rodgers for the Jets. He's the key ingredient. The Packers have the position of strength. Uh, the Rodgers contract is not something that the Packers have to deal with as a sign of weakness. That contract was there whether we traded him or not. So why panic? Yeah. And I would tell the Jets, here's the ultimatum. You complete this trade by the Tuesday before the draft, April 25th. And to do it, you give us your first-round pick, number 13, and both your second-round picks, 42 and 43. We'll give you Aaron Rodgers in our third-round pick. This is a take-it-or-leave-it situation. There's no other picks involved, not 2024, not 2025. So this is it. You're trading in 2023. And if the Jets want the trade, go make the trade. After that, 
no trades. And you know what? We don't want any counter-offers. This is take it or leave it. And if Rodgers doesn't like that, he can come back to the Packers as Jordan Love's backup, or he can retire. And then the Jets can wait till 2025 when he's no longer under contract and sign him, which means they're going to go two years with Hackett and Lazard not having their boy there. Yeah, Jim got cut off there and didn't call back. But, no, I I think you're – 100% 100% right, and if you listen to the podcast tomorrow, um, at the end we go over the Brian Gutekunst interview, not the whole thing because we ran out of time, but uh, almost point by point, is, is is I'm pretty much in agreement with you, and I think that's exactly what Gutekunst illustrated. For starters, essentially not flinching, and also not showing any fear. You know, the question was asked um, to Gutekunst, you know, do, do you feel any pressure to, to kind of hurry up and get this done? And he said, no. And and in fact, he went on to say nothing really going on right now. In other words, like you know, it's it's no big deal. Like we we got other stuff to do. Like it's it's it, it, the the whole point is to put yourself in a position of saying I'm 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 not worried even slightly. And if this doesn't get done till later, oh well. And I think that's what this is. I think both teams are trying their best to put themselves in a position of of being the team that doesn't flinch. Unfortunately. The Packers are essentially being spearheaded by Brian Gutekunst. He is the guy driving the ship, and he has turned around to everybody else that's a passenger on that ship and said, shut your mouths. Everybody shut up and let me do the talking. And for the Jets, that's not doable because the guy that's running the ship is not allowed to just run the ship because although there's a GM, there's also an owner, and the owner does not know how to keep his stupid mouth shut. And the players do not know how to keep their mouths shut. Aaron Rodgers is talking about he's going to the Jets, and Al Nazar can't wait for him to come to the Jets. And now you got Woody freaking John on top of the head coach saying, yeah, we're going to go out and find somebody. And then you got the owner talking about how he wants Aaron Rodgers long before this thing even happened, you know, kind of wink, wink, nod, nod. And then just today, apparently coming out with the most idiotic statement in the world, while, the, while Brian Gutekunst is literally out there saying, we are in no hurry whatsoever. What matters is getting fair compensation. And when that happens, then 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 that'll be that. But, you know, we're not worried about timelines. We're just worried about getting fair compensation. You have the owner saying, essentially, I don't have patience. We're here to be in the business of winning. <laughs> so you got Aaron, you, you got Brian Gutekunst and Joe Douglas in a showdown. And, and as you said, the last man to flinch wins. And Joe Douglas is trying real hard not to flinch while the owner is standing behind him going, Flinch! Flinch! Flinch, you SOB! I'm gonna smack you in your big bald head! Flinch! But yeah, the Jets are uh, the Jets are clearly in a position of strength here. <laughs> oh boy. And, but but even beyond that, you know, there's a kind of a nuanced point that I don't know that many people picked up on that I talked about tomorrow on the podcast. That is kind of what you mentioned as far as the take it or leave it proposition. Because what Brian Gutekunst had said was um, he had made a comment about the ball is in their court. If you think about what happened with Devontae, what essentially was it? Brian Gutekunst said, here's the price. And the Jets said, I don't know, that's a little much. How about this? He said, nope, here's the price. Well, what about, nope, here's the price. Call me when you're ready to be serious. I'm not interested in any offers. I'm not taking any counters. It's this or it's nothing. Now, he did talk a little bit about some flexibility in terms of it doesn't have to be 13 or this or that or the other, but it sounds to me as though the Packers had kind of perhaps exhausted some some options. Like, if you can give me 13 and this, you can give me this and a player, you can give me that, that, that. Like, the, these are the things we're comfortable with right now. The ball is in your court. It's interesting because I, I hadn't heard anybody else really say that in terms of who's waiting for who. The Packers, according to Brian Gutekunst, he's saying it's up to them. It's in their court. And that was the impression that I got is essentially he said, this is the price. You're either going to pay it or we're not going to get a deal done. Now, I, I don't know about a first and two seconds and we give back, you know, Rodgers and, and a third. I mean, if we get that, that's unbelievable compensation. I, I, I would guess it's closer to like just pick 13. But um, but I, I again, I have no idea. I don't even know where we're at as far as compensation goes. But um, yeah, I, I think you're kind of on it, Jim. I think that's kind of exactly where we're at. Anyways, going back up to the top, I was uh, explicitly told not to play this if it wasn't played by Monday. It's Tuesday, and I'm playing it anyways, because that's what happens.
I don't know, man. Maybe you're so far behind on Packernet after dark calls that this still isn't relevant. Yeah. But, uh, hey, maybe you're caught up and I can actually say something timely. Dude, we should have moved on from Rogers a year ago. Uh, but not for the reasons you're thinking. This Jake Paul crap. Uh, that's the final straw for me, man. Should have traded him a year ago so we didn't have to deal with this. Ugh. I mean, this is every bit as painful as losing to the Lions or the Vikings or the Niners. Reading this headline, Jake Paul did ayahuasca with Aaron Rodgers. Put me out of my misery, man. Too much. <laughs> no, that's still that's still relevant. Um, that is kind of surprising. I mean, I, I, I was thinking about that and I was like, I, I don't see how, aside from the fact that they're both just very rich and very popular and, and in some ways, super rich, super popular people run in similar circles at some level or another. Um, but it seemed weird that those guys would be, and I can never remember which Paul is which, not that it really matters. Um, but it seemed weird that they would be on the same wavelength, I guess. But then as I thought about it, it kind of seemed to me like one of those things where Rodgers is always going to be kind of open. I mean, he's not going to be open to just like me coming up to him and talking about it because I'm just some low-level plebe. But like if some major celebrity gets in touch with him, they're like, hey, I'm kind of interested in this stuff that you're talking about. I could see Rodgers being like, you know, all right, let's go do this. Taking him on a personal like retreat or whatever out there, a little bit surprising, but... I don't know, man. But I, I do think it probably goes to uh, kind of where Rodgers is at, and it's why you know retirement probably is a pretty good idea. This is just kind of who he is now. I mean, he's he's a mega celebrity. He's he's much more than just a really good football player. He's a celebrity, like an A-list celebrity, and he can walk into any party and go to any event anywhere he wants in the world, and he'd be welcome with open arms. So yeah, I mean he's he's going out smoking ayahuasca with Jake Paul. He's dating A-list celebrities. He's a co-owner of a of a basketball team. You know, he's dating the daughter of the basketball owner or whatever, which again, you want to talk about a power move. Like <laughs> anyways, um I mean it's just whatever he wants to do, you know? And I'm sure he's got offers for a billion dollars to be uh a, a, a TV, radio announcer, whatever for for networks for you know Thursday night football or however that would work or uh, Jeopardy esque job. I mean the the guy could do anything and everything. And this is just it's just what he is. He's he's Hollywood man. He's Mister Hollywood, and um, I think he enjoys that. And I think he's going to enjoy it when he retires. And um, again, I just I think that's kind of I think he should go enjoy that. That's what I think you should do. Not until after he gets traded and gets us a little bit of compensation, but I think that would be best for him. He, Yeah, okay, he's got a little bit left in the tank. Congratulations, right? Great. You'll probably have a little bit left in the tank until you're 50. That isn't the point. Go hang out with Jake Paul, man. Like, And, and to your point, it's like if you've gotten to that point where you're like hanging out with Jake Paul, you're really immersing yourself in this whole like, trying to be mega relevant and, and uh, being with the, the biggest up-and-comers kind of thing. Which, again, that's pretty... I'll be honest, like, I I don't like Jake Paul. Um, from what I recall, my first time ever hearing about the guy, he did something really, really despicable. Um, pretty disgusting stuff. But the point is, like, if Jake Paul was like, hey, dude, like you're kind of a big deal. You should come out to the studio and hang out with us and like we'll have a cigar and just hang out by a bonfire and make some steaks or whatever. Would I be like, no, I think you're disgusting. I'd be like, dude, heck yeah, man. I'll be right there. You know, I, I got a billion dollars. Like take a private jet to go hang out with Jake Paul for the day and just just to be able to put that on my life's resume. Like, oh yeah, like I remember this time back in, back in uh, 23 when I hung out with Jake Paul. He's a, he's a good kid. He's a good kid. I do it. I don't freaking care. So, um, yeah. I mean, again, go enjoy your life, man. You got a you got a sweet life. Rogers got a great life. All the celebrities love him. He loves all the celebrities. Popular guy. Ladies love him. 
multi-bajillionaire, world traveler, heavy, heavy drug user. Um, you know, good stuff. Great stuff. So I wake up this morning. There's like a foot of snow on the ground. Yeah, I remember that. It's a Saturday, and because I work in property management, I got to go in and work on Saturday. And then on top of that, I pull open Spotify, and do I see a Packer Night After Dark from last night or just a regular Packer Night episode? No. I'm sorry. Do you hate me, Ryan? I'm sorry about do, that. Do you hate your fans? I apologize. Do you hate your fans and you just because like you own you own your own podcast and you're you're the, the you make all the decisions. Yeah. You, you just don't don't upload an episode like like you get to make those decisions. Right. Excuse me, sir. <laughs> Excuse me. Some of us depend on those episodes to get us through the <laughs> day. All right. All right. Coffee isn't enough. It's not enough all the time. You know, I can I can keep slurping down coffee, but I need. Need my packer net fix, man. I need it. All right. Just, just, just do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I get it. I'm sorry. I apologize. I will say it. It is at least for me a dangerous game to play because I'll get super busy and it's getting real late and I just don't have the. Con- I'm not prepared and it's like I just tell myself, you know what? I'm gonna give myself a day off. Not just like should I do both of them or should I just do one? It's like what if I just didn't do any? And I just hit the reset button. And man, there's just like this feeling of just, oh, this relief of like, oh, I'm done for the day and I can do whatever. I get the rest of my day off. I can do whatever I want for the little bit of time I have left in the day. But then the scary part is you start like, you know, the next day, it's kind of like Sunday, kind of midday. I'm tired. It's like, I don't know. You go downstairs and you kind of get started, but then you get distracted. You're arguing with people on Twitter. You're watching some nonsense on YouTube. You're just going down the rabbit hole of AI and trying to learn, like, AI, teach me about AI real quick because I don't understand you. You know, just doing stupid stuff. And then, like, time has gone by. It's like, shoot, we got to do dinner. I took the freaking tilapia out of the freezer like two days ago. That's going to have to go in the garbage soon if I don't get that going. And then I go upstairs, and they're like, yeah, we already ate. I'm like, okay, well, they ate food, so I don't know. I could make it for me and the one kid that didn't eat. And then, But then I, uh, 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 and then you're like, uh, maybe we'll just take another day off. Do whatever you want. It's your life. But then you got to really, and then it's like, well, I'll do one. I'll do one. That's why I do things like every day. People go, it's, it's, it's overkill. You don't need to do every day. No, I have to. If I start giving myself excuses of, I can have a day off, then I'm going to start giving myself that excuse every day. Because I'm just an idiot like that. That's how I am with everything. If a little bit's okay, then all of it is okay. So I am all or nothing in every aspect of my life. Hence the reason I don't drink alcohol or do drugs anymore. <laughs> because I don't, I don't have a limiter. I don't have a little thing that says... Uh, We'll just have one. I mean, I have that thing that says we'll just have one, but he's a dirty freaking liar. It's all of it or none of it. So, yeah, it's a dangerous thing. I gave myself the day off. It felt amazing. And then you'll you'll probably notice those things go in spurts with me. Like, there'll be no podcasts, and then there'll be two, and then there'll be one, and then there'll be one, and then there'll be two, and then there'll be zero, and then there'll be one. Like, I, I'm, I'm really trying to rev myself up and get out of that bad habit of of doing that. Because, again, once I remind myself that I have the option to not do it, then I just don't want to do it anymore. Like, dude, I could just I could just sit down here, watch movies, and play video games. Be dope. So try not to lean on that. If I need it, I need it. Take a day off, too busy, whatever. But gotta get right back on the old horse again or I'm gonna get myself into some trouble. Garrett, what's going on, man? Well, it's Saturday and uh we still don't have an answer for this whole Jets Packers trade compensation and uh i've just decided to move on and devote myself to uh watching uh things about uh jordan love and uh start uh educating myself on his background and i watched a documentary about him that was uh very insightful to uh his background and growing up and what happened to him uh and what's made him to be what jordan love is today and i was very impressed um, I think we can look forward to a guy that genuinely cares about his teammates and how they're doing. Um, and going forward, he's going to work very hard because he had to work very hard to get even where he's at. So 
so uh, I'm very encouraged by that pattern of what has uh, taken him from uh, Bakersfield to Utah State to Green Bay. So I think we all can uh, at least, in, in some respects, uh, be hopeful for what this kid can do. So I think we need to uh, get behind him. Um, and as far as uh, what they will do in the draft for him, I, I am very, very hopeful that they pick uh, high-end first and second round talent to put around him to make sure that he is successful. And I think that's what they're going to try to do uh, just to find out what they have in him. Uh, they've got to get him uh, the playmakers around him to see what he can do. And if he isn't the answer, then that, that should tell him that if, if he's got the playmakers, there's no excuses in some respects. So um, I would probably dare to guess that I, I, really believe he will at least throw 20 touchdown passes next year in that scheme. I think it will be changed up a little bit. I think LaFleur has grown stale and uh, his play calling, so I'm hoping that they will um, definitely work towards Jordan's uh, strengths and they will run the ball a lot more than they did last year with Aaron Jones. And uh, my hopes are, crossing fingers, that they get uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba maybe Darnell or Kincaid, somebody like that, for uh, another security blanket type uh, down the field in the middle kind of throws for him. So uh, if you guys haven't watched any videos on Love, go back and watch them. I think you guys will be encouraged by some of his playmaking abilities. So I'm out. Have a good weekend, Ryan. Yeah, man. I'm pumped up. I'm excited. I, j- I just, I mean, and it's not just... Jordan Love. That that's the crazy thing. It's this is a whole new team. I mean, for such a long time it was you know, the the Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and even if you want to put Lazard in MVS, like that was just a long running thing with Aaron Jones and whatnot. Um but even now as you look, it's it's not just that Jordan Love is different and he's going in with this old crew. It's Jordan Love and Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs and Samori Ture. And uh, you know, even um Deguara is relatively young, you know, and you got Zach Tom kind of emerging, and Elton Jenkins is young, and A.J. Dillon is young. I mean, these guys all kind of came on around the same time. Dillon was in the same class as, as uh, Jordan Love. As, as weird as it sounds, Jordan Love is the new addition to the offense, but he's one of the more veteran guys on that offense. Technically been here longer than Dillon, Elton, a lot of these offensive linemen, with the exception of even who? Bakhtiari, is he the only guy? Is Bakhtiari and Aaron Jones the only guys that are senior to uh or is Deguara too I can't remember who was what but it's a very young crew and then we're going to be adding some more guys so we got you know Rashawn is real I mean you got to figure Gutekunst hasn't been here all that long so Rashawn is still relatively young Wyatt is young Quay Walker is young Jair and Stokes are young Savage is young and that's like our whole that's a huge portion of our team this is just a young crew but yeah specifically when you look at the offense and then whatever additions we're going to end up having and changes on the offensive line, I mean, it's just interesting to see how this is all going to going to look. And that's why I especially want to preach patience because it's there's so many new things and new people and trying to figure out how all this works, you know. And again, even the idea that, you know, if, if this doesn't work out, then we got to move on. I You know, I don't know. Um, you know, there there is a point at which you don't want to get stuck with a guy that clearly doesn't have it. But are you going to give up after a year? And I know the the love haters get so mad at that because they're like, it's, it's been three years. This is year four or whatever. It's like, no, no, it's not. We're talking one year of playing football. Are you going to give up on the guy after one year? I don't. I don't know. I mean, if he's if he's just god awful, then you might look at it and say. I mean, if he's like worst quarterback in football, you might say, dude, we got three years invested in you. You shouldn't be making those kinds of mistakes. If you're that far behind, that's a problem, you know? But what if you do if he was just average? In other words, you look at him and say, this clearly is not good enough, but it was year one. And then how long do you do that? What about year two? What about year three? How long do you play that game before you say, we got to cut bait on this guy? Because a lot of teams get stuck in that, and they, they can't bring themselves to let go of mediocre quarterbacks. Because it's so much easier to convince yourself that you can just build well enough around them that they have just enough juice to kind of get you over the hump. But I also, again, I don't want to give up after just one year. 
almost regardless, unless he is just putridly bad. Hey, Ryan. Hey. Sorry about that. Did we take a break? Sorry, Seth, I'm going to interrupt you. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, mm-hmm. Seth, Sorry, again? I, uh, my Patreon payments fell off. I didn't actually intend to leave. Apparently my card changed and I forgot to update that. So, uh, oops, but it's updated. Glad uh, to have you back. Maybe uh, maybe Patreon should go to the front of the line. I don't know. And then my... You know, I thought about having a separate number because I, I don't know who's Patreon. I guess I could put like a specific thing, like a little P at the end of your name. But then, you know, people leave and then they still... Uh, I did consider setting up, because it just ties to your email, I could just use a different email for a different number, and then having patrons go first. I might do that. My only thing is, am I going to even remember? Because, again, everything I do is habit, so I'm just going to go directly to here. But I might I might just do that as, a, as an additional Patreon perk, have um, patrons go to the front of the line, and then go from there, so... Again, I've I've been contemplating it. You might have just pushed me over the the edge there. Last thing was, you need to get some swag, um, start selling some sweatshirts or t-shirts or something. I think you, you've been you, reading you, my mind. Pretty good at that. I think uh, I'll definitely buy one. Anyways, I right, talk to you later. I yeah, I'm I you, you are reading my mind because not only was I thinking about that, but I've been trying to figure out some some more swag stuff. Um, I just have been kind of banging my head against the wall trying to figure out exactly what to do. I'm having fun with like this AI stuff because it can do cool things. I just don't know what to do. So I'm kind of thinking maybe wait until after the draft and just kind of do some stuff with like the people that we draft. Um, Maybe do something with love, but I've kind of played around with some stuff and I don't know. I mean, I probably don't need to get super uh, deep about it. Like nothing's ever good enough. And then you go look at everybody else's t-shirts. I'm like, that is the most basic freaking thing. Like nobody really has anything that's amazing. So, yeah, I, maybe just do something cool with love. I, I had some ideas with that. Um, and just not get so wrapped up in everything needing to be perfect, I guess. Because, yeah, every every day is like, today's the day I'm coming up. I'm getting a design. It's going on a shirt, and I'm I'm going to promote it. And then I go through some ideas, and I don't like the way they look. And I'm like, nah, I quit. Let's go do something else. Hey, Ryan. This is Packer Nation. Steve up in Alaska. Hey. Um, you know, listen to the show. So, 
my Packer time and my Packer thoughts are all going through my head. Yeah. But uh, the discussion, uh, Phil had called in at Packer Night After Dark and was talking about, you know, practice and why practice mattered or didn't matter. And, you know, you were bringing up, you know, does practice in, in, in May matter? Why should that matter? And people saying that it's not a big deal. I, I think any practice is good. Regardless of when you do it, anytime you do it, it, it adds to what you're doing. I, I think training other people to do a job, even if it's your own job, especially if it's your own job, makes you better at your job because you're yeah. basically practicing your job with another person. So you've got to be good enough if you, to teach them. That means you've got to be good enough to do it. But uh, I, I, I worked for a couple of years as a commercial diver in the Gulf of Mexico. Nice. And... I'm one time, specifically, it was right right around the BP oil still, and we hadn't been out and working for a little while, and we got back out, and we were going to do a, a dive op, and I was supposed to run the chamber for somebody, and I went over before they, you know, half of it, what, probably half an hour before they were even in the water, I was over at the chamber, and I was practicing. I was running a dry run through all the things that I got to do to take a guy through a chamber run. And I had somebody come walking over to me and look at me and say, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just practicing, just making sure, you know, I'm, I'm on my game. And you're like, well, what, are you nervous? You don't think you could do it? You think this is real? You should need to have to practice. You should just be. I was like, look at him like, there's nothing wrong with this. This is, right. you know, a person's life is on the line here. If I screw up, I can hurt somebody very badly. So I'm practicing because it's a good thing to do to make sure my skills are sharp. And that's the same thing with Rogers. You don't think you got to go practice with people? You don't think you got to go make sure your skills are sharp? Because, hey, I've been doing it for so long, they can't get any better. <laughs> what a joke. What a joke. You go and practice. You practice every day, everything you do. If you want to do it well and you want to be really great at it, you keep practicing it. You teach others because teaching others is practice. So he brings out those young wide receivers and he teaches them what he wants to do. He's practicing and he's making himself better. So, yeah, it, it, I've been all about the guy's got to go because this is what we're seeing out of him, and this isn't what we need to have as a team because he can't be the leader if he doesn't want to be the teacher. You know, it's ridiculous. All right, I've, I rambled on long enough. I've, I feel better about myself now. Good. <laughs> Talk to you later. Bye. Yeah, I mean, and again, this is why the whole lead by example thing is dumb. Like, all I have to do is show up and, and exude greatness, and I'm a leader. Like, that's so ridiculous. And by the way, you didn't exude greatness, so you failed on that front as well. But, um, no, I mean, I, I, it's such a, it, it's hard to even argue it because it's such a ridiculous thing to even try to argue. I mean, Rodgers doesn't even disagree with it. He also agrees. I mean, you talk about how week one is tough and you got to knock off the rust and all that stuff. I mean, this is common vernacular among all players. Right, you got to get that first hit out of the way. You got to do all these like, you know, he doesn't like the the training camp stuff as much because it's not as as real as everything. Dude, then go out, put some ham- helmets and pads on, and go run around and play with these guys and throw to them. Um, but everybody everybody understands this, and I think anybody that's trying to defend it and say, well, no, no, it doesn't actually do anything, is is just just trying to win a fight for the sake of winning a fight. They don't want to give up any ground on anything, even on the most obvious the most ridiculous things on planet Earth to try to start a fight about, that practice doesn't actually help anything. It's just, it's it's beyond absurd. Hey, Ryan, Steve again. Hey. Continuing on with my listening to your show, um, something just kind of popped in my head. You know, I, I hear on your show, you and, and myself and other people talk about all these people that are anti-Jordan Love people. How come nobody's called into your call-in show without a single anti-Jordan Love comment? I, I, I don't think I remember anybody calling into your show and saying this is why Jordan Love is a mistake and this is why we should do something different. I get your show has its following, mm-hmm. but you also tell us and. You know, you can see out there in the world that there are other people that listen to it and they have other comments, and you offer them a, a podium to go on to to speak their own opinion. And how come none of them come on your show and tell you why this guy is not going to be a good quarterback for us? 
I, you know, maybe you hear it somewhere else. I don't, I'm not a big, uh, um, social media guy. I don't Twitter. I don't, I, um, I caught your show and I'm glad that I did because I love the show, but I caught your show just on kind of a, a whim. Um, but everybody else out there seems to be pretty connected. And I would think somebody could call into your show and tell us why they don't think Jordan Love's any good. Or any of the other points that we all kind of go on and, and we don't hear a counterpoint. So, but the Jordan Love's a big one. I, I, I like to, I like to hear your opinion on that and maybe other people's opinions on it too. Maybe, you know, these people need to speak up. They got a forum. They should use it. All right. Go pack. Yeah, that does seem to be one of the things that's happened is there's there's kind of become one opinion on the show, um, which is a little unfortunate. I, I didn't want this to become an echo chamber. Um, maybe part of the issue is I, rather than just providing a platform and saying, here, speak your mind, you know, give your stump speech, and then we'll just leave it alone, is I'm going to give my opinion. And if my opinion is, does not agree with you, then you're going to give your opinion and then I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to call you stupid if you call into the show, but, um, you know, it's, it's not fun when the guy with the mic has the final say, you know? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I absolutely would encourage anyone with a differing view to call in. Um, I usually do not pull punches on my opinion on things, but I try to remind myself to be as polite as possible about other people's Opinions, because I do want that. I want um, counterpoints to call in so it's not just, again, a, a giant echo chamber. And, and especially when, you know, stuff like what's been happening recently comes out with Aaron Rodgers, it becomes like a feeding frenzy where everybody just calls in to kick the guy in the face. And and don't, I mean, I'm I'm all for that. Call in and kick people in the face, but it's always the same guy. And it's always just this, it's, it's like a, a, it's like that scene from Airplane where they're just beating that lady on the plane. You know, mix it up a little bit. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna argue back with you, but that's just the way it goes. It's all right. You can't hurt me, and I can't hurt you. And again, the 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 only thing with me, if that is a concern, like, well, I don't want him calling me names or whatever. Biggest thing with me is I give it like I get it. And if you call in and you're rude, I'm I I will not be able to control myself. I'm going to be rude to you. But if you call in and just have a genuine, like, you know, I get your perspective, but here's mine. I'm not gonna. Unless I go down a rabbit trail and I just start getting angry, but then I forget that I'm talking to you and whatever. But again, that's 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 my thing. I get it like I, I give it like I get it. But yeah, I definitely would like. Um, we do occasionally get some differing opinions, but it's it's not as much as I think it probably should be. All right, I had to do one more call in. All right. Um, I was listening to you doing your draft all your draft prospects and, and going over stuff and you were talking about tight ends and and, and I brought it up earlier or a couple a couple of weeks ago I should say um basketball players yeah we, we need to look at guys who played football and basketball in college and then we got to look at them in terms of the tight end size type player and what they were in college playing basketball cuz they have all this. You, you went over all the 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 combine stats and and what guy did what with this and the jump and and you know the broad jump, the long jump, you know sprints and all blah blah. All that is a guy on a basketball court. Yeah, does all that all done basketball court. He played and he was good in, in college playing basketball, but he'd rather play football as a professional athlete. That's the guy we want. That's the guy we got to go get. And I don't care what all the other stuff goes together. He's got the skills. He's got the ability. And he's got the hops. Yep. Let's put him out on the football field and let's have him go show his hops and just jump up over the top of guys and take balls away. <laughs> you know, he's going to block dudes out, which means if he can block a guy out going to the, whole, or to the post, then he should be able to block a guy out going to the quarterback. You know, so that I think those are the guys we got to look at. Screw stats. That's a position where you got to look at another sport, and, you, and you're going to plunder from another sport. You know, come on, man. It, it, it's all look a new thing here. 
let's all get that way because I think that would be the best players we're going to get. All the rest of them are great. There's been a bunch of them out there that played tight end that were great college basketball players. So we got we to gotta look that way. I think we got to do that. But I'm rambling in. I'm going to go to bed. Talk to you later. Bye. <laughs> I gotta go to bed too, man. I'm tired. I think we're gonna call it a little bit early, but yeah, I, I I think that was a good point. I think it was you that made the point earlier about about basketball players in terms of um, that's the reason we're so thin because all the best people that would make the best tight ends end up playing basketball, and I think that that is a really good point. And so I I, I just wonder, you know, we look at Darnell Washington and how much of a freak he is. I wonder how many Darnell Washingtons are playing basketball. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I think that is a fair point. I mean, obviously there are criteria that you look for in terms of what's going to make a good tight end, aside from, you know, were you good at basketball. But I do know they've they've talked a lot about that and how it does translate, especially when you're talking about, you know, maybe not the uh, the Dalton Kincaid types necessarily because he's basically just a big receiver. But a lot of these other guys like Michael Mayer and Darnell Washington who aren't massively fast but have a lot of size – you know, you, you talk about these things like boxing guys out and just, just using that length and using your body to keep the person away while you reach for the ball and all that. So, I mean, that those are like basic basketball skills that have been built into these guys. I mean, that's that's just passing, you know. Um, and so it uh, it is in football too, I guess. But um, yeah, I think there are a lot of things that can translate and can really help out. And then a lot of it is just you know you're a big giant freak, so that kind of just fills in the rest of what you need to play tight end in the NFL. But yeah, it would be kind of cool if there was a little bit of a a pipeline in terms of, uh, I wonder if there's any scouting that happens, because I, I would bet there isn't. But in terms of looking at basketball players that maybe didn't quite make it into the NBA, you know, to get the guys that were kind of the, the failed uh, basketball players and just be like, hey man, you ever thought about putting on a helmet and catching footballs and stuff? Although there is the whole blocking. I, I just have a feeling that would be really... There's a lot of training that would need to happen, so it probably would need to be a two-sport guy. But if you found the basketball player that didn't pan out, that played football but chose basketball, um, maybe played tight end or something in high school and then chose basketball in college and you try to get him back in, just just work him out, just see how it goes. You know, I don't know. Especially, I mean, I'm not talking about just any old basketball player, but we're talking about a guy that's built like a Darnell Washington who's, you know, six foot eight and can run like the freaking wind. Um, yeah, let's get him in, put some helmet and pads on him, and see if the guy can block even halfway decently. And, uh, you know, never know. Maybe you pick him up as an undrafted free agent, and he's got first-round talent. Just wonder if that's ever been a thing. Anyways, as I said, I'm tired. i got to go to bed. You folks have yourselves a fantastic rest of your night. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.